That's what she said is fueled by Gatorade. Whatever path you take to greatness, Gatorade is there to fuel it. Greatness starts with G. 30 for 30 podcasts and The Undefeated present The King of Crenshaw. This four-part series examines how Nipsey Hussle's life, death, and legacy impacted the sports world, particularly the NBA. Here, DeMar DeRozan, Isaiah Thomas, and DeMarcus Cousins, among others, explore the realities of life as a black man in America, Nipsey's dedication to South L.A., and his community, and how Nipsey inspired millions. The marathon continues. The King of Crenshaw. Listen now on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. ESPN Plus subscribers, join a fantasy football league now for a chance to win $250,000. Sweepstakes is U.S. only, 18 or older. No purchase necessary. Visit ESPN.com slash ESPN Plus football rules for full details and official rules. Welcome to That's What She Said with Sarah Spain, a podcast about, well, whatever the hell I want. Actors and musicians, athletes, comedians, neuroscientists, wine experts. If I find somebody interesting, I'm bringing them to you. We'll talk about how they became who they are, how they found success, battled failures, and how they ended up here talking to me. I'm Justin Tinsley, and my dilemma is that my wife and I's house, we need a new roof. So, Sarah, if you can help me fix that, that would be gr- I would be forever indebted to you. All right, so we had to get our roof done when we moved into our house, too, and I wish I could send my man Marvin over your way, uh, but my guess is pretty big surcharge uh, to get all the way out to the East Coast to work on a roof uh, from here in Chicago. But I did uh, consult with my husband, who is a realtor, who has dealt with many people moving into new spaces and homes that need roof work, and he said, go with someone that people you trust have referred to you. There's lots of shady vendors out there and you don't want to be stuck with someone who takes advantage of you roofs are expensive so find a friend call a friend ask a friend maybe i'll send my mom marvin your way see if he's got some roofers out there that he can recommend good luck that's what she said hey everybody Happy end of August, early September, depending on when you're listening to this. Happy back to school if you've got kiddos or you yourself are going back to school. I saw a lot of uh, uh, first day photos uh, on social media and it brought me back to that teenage angst of the first day of school. Mostly like late junior high through high school, that first day outfit that really needed to hit. You know, make an impression. Let everyone know that you crushed your summer. You came back looking better than ever. Um, Of course, when I look back at my school pictures... I don't know that I nailed it. Uh, Let's just say I didn't peak in high school, which is a good thing. Uh, Happy for you parents getting a little free time or just more time to work uh, with your kids back at school. So hoping for a safe and happy, uh, healthy school year. Uh, My dogs continue to be my work from home colleagues. No school for them, uh, which I'm cool with. I appreciate you all checking out the podcast. Please go subscribe, follow wherever you get your podcasts. It helps me a lot to have those subscriptions and follows ratings and reviews as well. So please keep them coming. You can do that on Apple and iTunes where uh, Brend AMM9 just chimed in. Awesome interviewer. I love the wide range of people Sarah talks to. I have learned and laughed a lot. Thank you, Brend Am 9 uh, Were you going to be the next reviewer to get a shout-out? I don't know. Subscribe, rate, and review. Find out. This week's guest 
is Justin Tinsley. He's a culture and sports writer for The Undefeated, a regular on Around the Horn, also a narrator of the 30 for 30 podcast and Undefeated, The King of Crenshaw, the four-part series that dives into the connection between NBA players and the late rapper, entrepreneur, philanthropist, and activist Nipsey Hussle. We had a great conversation. Got to know him a lot better. I've been across panels from him on Around the Horn, but uh, got to learn about his childhood and when he tried to recreate the flu game. Uh, really fascinating story about meeting his his birth dad by accident, his circuitous path to sports writing, and uh, the plans he had to work with Nipsey before his murder. Lots of good stuff in here. Hope you enjoy it. That's what she said. Didn't know much about Justin Tinsley until he appeared in one of the plasma screens on Around the Horn, and I saw in uh, Anthony Reale, uh Anthony Joseph Reale, I should say, full name, uh, introduce him as one of the newest panelists. It's been a little while now, getting to know him better every time we do the show, but then I hear about this 30 for 30 about Nipsey Hussle that he is producing. I, I see him unearthing tweets from years ago saying one day I'm going to produce 30 for 30. I'm going to do X and Y and he's making it all happen. So I figured if I don't know much about him, y'all might not know much either. So let's get to know Justin Tinsley a little bit more uh, uh, before we all, of course, embark on, on, on a good listen of that 30 for 30. Let's start with your childhood. I'm curious, um, you know, what kind of kid you were? Did you have siblings and, and what were the aspirations when you were little? Hmm, it's a really good question. Yes, I do have a younger brother. He actually lives in Brooklyn, New York, a very, very talented graphic design artist for the record. But for me, it was just a, a, a normal childhood. I played, played sports in the neighborhood. I played basketball growing up. Uh, one of my favorite childhood stories is when I tried to recreate uh, Michael Jordan's flu game. Uh, I thought since Michael Jordan could play with the flu, a young Justin Tinsley could play with the flu. So I don't know if I actually got the flu, but I did get a pretty bad cold because <laughs> keep in mind, I'm playing Little League basketball. So this is like November and December in Virginia. So it's pretty cold. And I have the fan on full blast. I have Wait, you the- tried to get yourself sick so that you could then try to play sick. It wasn't that you were already sick. No, no, I, it, oh, it, it, wow. it was it was okay. not my it was not my wow. finest moment. I will say that. But I was successful in getting myself sick. Uh, I had a pretty bad cold. Uh, I for whatever reason, my younger brother did not tell on me because we slept in the same room growing up and he's like freezing to death over on the other side of the room. But I was like, I got to be like Mike. I got to be like Mike. I took it way too literally. So I got sick. Game day comes around. It's Saturday. And, you know, I think I believe Mike had like 38, seven and five, like a vintage game. Yeah, Justin had zero. I was 0-7 from the field, (laughs) and I got benched the entire second half. So needless to say, I was like, I'm probably better at writing about sports than actually trying to recreate. And got your teammates sick, and you lost the next three games. All in all, just a failed failed endeavor. Was was basketball the only sport you played, or did you grow up playing a bunch of stuff? Uh, Organized basketball was my my only sport. But you know, we we would play football at the park. We played baseball, all, all of that type of stuff. Growing up, it was just a you know a, a normal childhood, I guess, in that sense. What'd your parents do for work? So my my parents got divorced when I was two, so I moved to Virginia from North Carolina with my mom when I was about yeah about two years old, and we moved in with my grandmother. And so my mom, my grandmother was a retired school teacher. My mom, she was a speech pathologist. So she worked in education as well. And uh, so a, a lot of my family, a lot of, especially a lot of women in my family, they were, they were in education. They still are in education. So I, I grew up knowing I did not want to be a teacher. <laughs> you know, I did not want to do that. 
but I I had a ton of aspirations growing up. I wanted to be I wanted to be a heart surgeon for a little bit because I just knew they made a lot of money. Yeah. But yeah. then I was like, nah, I can't do the whole blood thing. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be an astronaut when I was younger. Like I I had like this. You remember the the black and white little notebooks that we would carry yeah. to school? Mead. So, I believe. Yeah, mead. Yep. Yep. So that was my, uh, I had a notebook full of drawings. Like I, I was going to build the world's biggest spaceship and just like travel to universe. I was okay, going to have Elon like Elon Musk a, over here. Yeah, well. That, that, <laughs> skip the whole NASA thing built yeah, skip the, yeah, I was going to have a basketball court on there. I was going to have a mall in there. I'm like. How that works in zero gravity. But I don't we'll know it how shot. it works. Uh, um, easy for oops, I bet. <laughs> yeah, it's very easy for oops. I would have definitely been Vince Carter in, in, in that right. regard. Um, but uh yeah, so those are my like childhood aspirations yeah. growing up. What was your relationship like with your grandma? Oh man, my grandmother, she to this day, she is uh she's like she's my heart. Her and my mom. They they they're my heart. Like I I I love them. I like I I don't even know if love is the proper word because I I think I think that even kind of like undersells it. But they they've always supported me. They've always been you know you know my biggest fans growing up. E- even when I was going through that little weird stretch after college where I was going from like job to unemployment back to another job back to unemployment, they would always they would always you know try to speak positivity into my life even when I would be frustrated beyond belief. And I I just I, I love them with all of my heart for the next 100 lifetimes and you know my grandmother called me uh my grandmother and my mother called me last week because they listened to the podcast and i i my grandmother she always likes to have, she thinks i write everything on the undefeated by the way she, she like i read i'm like very prolific man <laughs> she was like how do you have time to write all these stories i'm like what are you talking about i haven't published a story in like three weeks she was like yeah but that story on I don't know, like some NFL training camp. I'm like, I didn't do that. She's like, oh, I just assume you write everything. But That's amazing. my grandmother has this ranking of stories that I have written that she that she she always says it's my best ones or her favorite ones, rather. Um, there was one I wrote about uh, Michael Jordan's last game with the Bulls and how that was the last uh, basketball game I got a chance to watch with my uncle because my uncle was, you know, he was the closest thing I had to a father figure growing up, you know, probably the, the the first man I said I love you to growing up and he was he's just beyond an inspiration in my life but he passed away from um, colon cancer at like in January 1999 so game six of the 98 finals was the last basketball game that we watched together so I wrote a story about that last year around the time when the last dance was on yeah she really loved that you know for obvious reasons and I think I wrote a story on like Stuart Scott a couple of years ago so she was like those are my top two I don't know if you'll ever top that, but she listened to the podcast and she was like, you know, I think I got a new number one now. And I was like, love it. Well, look, I don't know if this thing will ever get any awards. I don't know what the numbers are going to look like streaming wise, but I'm like, I can't get a better review than that. There you go. There you go. So did you not, and do you still not have a relationship with your dad? Yeah, it's honestly, you know, I tell people this story from time to time, whenever they ask me about it, uh, Again, so yeah, my parents divorced when I was two. I didn't see, I didn't meet my dad until I was 27. And to be oh, honest wow. with you, Sarah, it was by mistake. And you're probably asking, how do you mistakenly meet your dad? So this is 2013. It's probably a couple of weeks before Christmas. And this was during that little weird point in time where I didn't have a job. I'm looking for a job. I'm freelance writing at the time, but it's not enough for me to move out like my mom and grandma's house. 
So I took a chance and I went down to Atlanta because I knew some people who were working at Turner and, you know, just to see if they had anything and, you know, bless them straight up. Like they, they put me in some rooms and it's just, it just didn't work out, but I appreciated them for that. But I noticed myself like on the drive back from Atlanta, I was getting, I was getting sick. I was like, why do I feel so bad? So thankfully I have a cousin who lives in Salisbury, North Carolina, which is where I was born. That's about 20 minutes north of Charlotte. And it's my cousin, Pam. She was like, she's the, she's, she is my dad's niece, but she, I always had a great relationship with her in my life. To this day, I still have a great relationship with her. And um, I was like, do you mind if I just stay with you for the night? I don't feel well. She was like, just come here. I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you. I make sure everything's cool. And so I stayed there for a few days, basically just getting myself straight. And I'll never forget one day, uh, the room I was staying in across the hall was the shower where I I was going to take a shower. And when I got out, I was walking back to the room and I see like this this guy that I I don't know. And I'm like, okay, well, whatever. Maybe like a neighbor. I was checking my phone. I had like 20 missed calls. I had like 20 missed text messages. Uh, My cousin, Pam, she was really concerned that, you know, oh man, it, it, she thought that I thought that I thought she was trying to set up a meeting between the two. And she was like, I would never, ever do that to you. And I was like, it's fine. Like, you know, I'm, I'm not a little kid anymore. I know how to handle these situations. And so that was, uh, so she was just warning you, Oh, Hey, I'm trying to let you know that he's going to be at the house. Yeah. Cause I mean, Um, he only lives like 10 minutes away. So he just pops up all the time and and it was, Mm. it was fine. It wasn't, you know, obviously it was awkward, but, uh, that, yeah, that was my first time meeting him. And, you know, we had we had a little correspondence uh, in, you know, maybe the months and maybe a year after that. But we haven't spoken like over the phone or anything. And that was 2013, probably in at least six, seven years. So wow. it, there's not really a strong relationship there. Yeah, that's wild to just run into him by accident. Yeah. So you're you're growing up you're you're uh, playing sports creating illnesses maybe not the best route to nope. success um you want to be an astronaut and all these other things you end up at hampton university what was uh, the major what was the goal once you got there honestly you know it, it, did you see jr smith's tweet the the other yeah. day he was like yeah are you allowed to change your majors? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, I'm, I can't let one bad week get me down. I'm like, already, dude? You just got there. Yeah, I was like, ah, I remember those days. Uh, well, for one, you know, I went to Hampton because uh, a lot of uh, a, a lot of my family are HBCU alums. And so that that culture, that's what I knew growing up. Uh, so I, I knew I was going to end up going to an HBCU. It was just a matter of which one. And I went down to a couple of events at Hampton during my senior year of high school. And I was like, yeah, this is where I want to go. And this is what I want to do. But to answer your question though, Sarah, like at 18, like I, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew I was going to major in something in communications. I was like, I don't need anything where the math is super hard. You know, like I don't need that. If it's not a final score, if it's not points per um, game or yeah. some, yeah, I'm not doing that. Or first week sales for an album, whatever. <laughs> so I knew like, all right, if I major in communications, I don't have to do a lot of math. And uh, even honestly, even up until graduation, I really didn't know. Like I, it, I wanted to be a journalist. I wanted to be a writer, but I didn't know what the path to get there was. So right. I, it, it it took a few years. and 
just basically by, by hand, happenstance that I would get the ESPN. Now, over those years, yeah, I, I checked I, out your LinkedIn. It did, it did, uh, yeah, <laughs> a little bit of uh, jumping around to various places before Man, you kind of figured was, out. Although there was some sports early on, so it's, it's, it felt like you found it and then it was about finding your footing somewhere that would stick. Let's talk about Virginia yeah. House of Delegates. <laughs> Okay, tell me about that gig. How does wow. that happen? What's the goal there? Oh, man. Okay, so if I – wow. <laughs> that is crazy. I haven't thought about this in years. Um, This was one of those things where – so when I graduated, it was the height of the recession. It felt like by the time I graduated in 2008, there were like 100 jobs for everybody. Not just 100 jobs for people coming out of Hampton. 100 jobs for the entire class Every of 2008. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> So I'm like, man, I just need something that would, you know, get some money in my pocket and maybe I'll do something here at this internship and maybe it'll inspire me to go somewhere else. I lied to you not. Like and the, the internship was cool. It was easy. At, that, at this point in time, I had like my own blog that I was running. I would like write sports stories, write music stories. So whenever I wasn't being supervised at the internship, I would just be on my site just writing. Like I'm supposed to be writing about like mm -hmm. pieces of legislation and all that. Like mm -hmm. the the you know the it it was over 10 years it ago. It wasn't a passion get... for you. Nah, nah and but it, I mean I met some cool people along the way, but I knew at that point in time like I really like writing. I just gotta figure out one I need to get better at. It. I know I need to get better at because it it's 2009 at this point. And I just told myself, if I just stay committed to it, I don't know how long it would take. I don't know when it would happen, but I, it, a, a door would eventually open for me. And that's what I would tell myself every day at the House mm -hmm. of Delegates. Now it was pretty cool, like being in rooms mm -hmm. where people but like politics wasn't the draw. It wasn't, nah, oh, nah, maybe nah. I'll write and be in, okay. Nah, so politics was not the draw. You end, up, uh, you end up spending a couple months at SB Nation and Octagon, so both sports-related gigs, but yeah. neither was a super long tenure. Um, yeah. Were there takeaways from either of those jobs that were like, oh, this is what I want to do, or was it still not the right fit, but in the general? You're, you're getting closer? As, yeah. Well, see, those were two internships that I had when I was in grad school at Georgetown, so they helped place me there. Uh, Octagon was, Octagon was really fun. Uh, I enjoyed sitting in, sitting in on meetings where, you know, they would talk, talk about, you know, I got, I guess, perspective events or opportunities for clients and things they wanted to do in the social media space. That, that was, that was cool. I liked it. It was definitely better than, you know, politics. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, being on that business side of sports, at least at that point in time, I'm like, it, it's cool, but it's, it's not my sweet spot. SB nation is when I think it really hit me like, hmm, this is like, if I continue to just meet people within this industry, I can, you know, open this door, which will hopefully lead to that door, which will hopefully lead to this house, to that door, so on and so forth. So I knew, and I, and I met a really cool guy, my, my man, Andrew Sharp, who used to write a lot at uh, Grantland. I think he's done some stuff for GQ. I'm not sure where he is right now, but uh, I just remember him. He 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 was like one of the first people to really like embrace embrace me at, at, at SB Nation and within the industry like that. Uh, that that showed me like, look, if you just stay with it, I don't know. There's no set blueprint of how to get to yeah. wherever you're trying to get to, but if you just stay committed, and it probably to won't it, exist when you get there. No, the, no, the industry will have changed, and now exactly. there'll be a new place that you want to get to. But keep going. Yeah, um, that, honestly, in in a roundabout way, that's what he said. That's yeah. exactly what he said. Yeah. So, yeah. so tell me about Georgetown. Um, 
that's a that, uh, for any grad school is a is a big expense and a big endeavor. So yeah. some people use it because they need more time to figure out what they want to do in the real world, and some people use it because they've figured that out, but they think that that's the means to get there. Which one were you? Oh, definitely the the first one. It, again, you know, I graduated into the recession, and uh, one of my best friends in the world, his name is uh, Vaughn Moss. He he hit me one day because uh, he, he's from Richmond, Virginia, and we met at Hampton. It's been one of my best friends for like damn near 20 years. And he hit me. He was like, yo, uh, I think I'm going to apply to grad school at, at Georgetown. I'm like, why? He was like, they have a like a, a, a sports management program. And he said, I'm going to look into it. And it looks cool. Now, it did look cool. But here was the draw for me, Sarah. I didn't have to take like a test to get in. All I had to do was apply. And I was like, you mean I don't have to study for like, you know, GMAT the or, what, or the yeah, bar or anything? It's like, I knew I could get in because I had really good grades in college. So I wasn't worried about that. So I got in and it, it was honestly one of those things where I needed it to be like a stopgap. And I was like, look, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm hopefully this school can, you know, present an opportunity for me as to where I can meet people and it'll help get me to the next point in, you know, the next right. point in my life. And honestly, you know, having Georgetown as grad school on your resume, that ha that has to account right. for something, right? And Well, and I'd like to think you you learned some stuff there. Yeah, yeah, I, I, cool. I yeah, definitely learned some stuff there <laughs> for sure. Uh it and one one thing I did that's gonna, learn. That's going to be the tagline, Georgetown University. I, yeah, I I definitely learned some stuff there. Yeah, I I, I did. Not the biggest I, sell. Yeah, <laughs> not yet. I mean, well, Georgetown can sell itself. They don't need me to sell it, but I, I really enjoy like I'm, and it's like this with all of us in school for me. Like, yeah, I definitely remember the stuff I learned in the classroom, but it was the stuff away from the classroom and the discussions that I had and the events I got to attend while at Georgetown. That That's what I really remember. I remember working. It was the Georgetown Duke game. I, I got a chance to actually work that game. And that was when uh, Barack Obama and Joe Biden came. And it was like a it was like a big thing because obviously yeah. Duke was I believe that was. No, I think that was the year before Kyrie got there. I believe it was the year before Kyrie got there. But, uh, you know, just being able to work those events and meet those people, whether it be at, well, they call it the Capital One Arena. Now I call it the Verizon Center. Uh, meeting people that work in those spaces. I got a chance to meet some people that worked at the Washington Post who, you know, basically were giving me pointers on here's here's what you should probably do. Here's what you should think about. So it's like those type of things. Yes, the classroom was cool, but the actual application of everything is what I really remember. Yeah. And networking for sure for is a sure. huge part of any business school or master's program is, you know, that sort of leap from being a student, but also still being a part of the real world business while you're while you're learning. And so you have those internships while you're while you're studying there um, and then financial services. OK, we've already gone over the numbers thing. There are few professions that I could see myself in less than anything that starts with the word financial. I'm a words person, not a numbers person. It sounds like you are too. What happened there? Sarah, I needed a job. I yeah. told you I bounced around for a long time. Right. Now, now, during all of this, I'm still freelancing. So like I would go to work during the day and basically write until like one, two in the morning at night, wake up, be at work by eight, whenever I had to be there. But yeah, uh, Again, that uh, you know, a family friend got me that job. I was, I'll be, I'll be honest with you, I was terrible at it. I was terrible at it. It was basically processing loans and you know, filing paperwork. And you know, I, again, I, I'm not, I don't look down on on anybody for any job because I needed that at that point in time in my life, and I needed desperately. But I knew, and honestly, it, it, it was great in a sense 
it let me know, like, all right, I definitely don't want to do this. Like, I right. knew in the back of my mind going right. into it, like, I probably don't want to do this. But, you know, it's just one thing you could check off the list. Like, I, I'm not good at this. I, right, not that one. Yeah, that's the other thing, too. Not just that I don't want to do it, but this isn't what I'm meant to do, mm -hmm. uh, which is actually, I think, useful to do some jobs you suck at so that so you can have respect I... for the people who do them and the way their brains work and how they're different from yours. Because uh, I, you know, you get a little chesty, a little full of yourself when, you, when you're when you a great communicator. Yeah. And then you come up, get up against people with a lot of, like, you know, spelling and grammatical errors. And you're like, come on. And then you're like, yeah. wait a minute. Let me just check myself. <laughs> right. I suck at math. I, they would oh. dust me in a competition of long division or whatever. Um, so, yeah, so useful for you to go realize that's not what you wanted. But obviously, you still need to make money. Um, so, of course, you then become a proposal writer for government services, <laughs> as, no, this, as one does. This is so funny. This your is like LinkedIn Justin, is a real journey. Yes, this it is, is. This is like Justin Tinsley. This is this your is life. Your life. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um. I forgot how I got I forgot how I got that job, but I sucked at that. You would think like, okay, well, you're writing, so you gotta at least be somewhat better. This absolutely not. I was probably <laughs> worse at that job than I was at the final. I'll be honest with you. Like, of course, these things are very important. These are projects that are worth hundreds of millions of dollars. But like having to go through these old pamphlets and read through like hundreds of pages of like, do you need the bathroom to be this size square feet yeah. and you got to copy and paste. I was terrible at it. I'm that I'm surprised they let me stay there for as long as they did. Cause I'm, I probably should have been fired after like the, the first <laughs> month at the, at the very least. And so in the, the background, end, they're like, he went to Georgetown though. He'll pick yeah, it up. Yeah. yeah. That's what they thought. <laughs> and, and maybe, and maybe I could have, but again, no, Sarah, it was just like one of those things like, yo, I, Again, it's a it's a very necessary and a very important job, of course. But it's like I don't like doing this. Like right. this is yeah. this is. I mean, I, it was paying me the most money that I ever made up until that point in my life. And I'm like, all right, it's cool. I get to live in and around DC. I get to see all my friends up here. But like Monday through Friday, I'm just like I'm falling asleep at my desk. Right. Like and you know, and yeah. Nobody was ever rude to me because I'm one of those type of people. I always treat people with respect. Or, you know, that's how I was raised. But I could tell my bosses there were getting annoyed with me because it'd be like after like three months, it's like, why aren't you getting this? And I'm like, right. I technically don't want to get it. Yeah, like, yeah, that's so. part of it. You got to have that want to. We'll get right back to the interview. But first, what is your favorite word? As of right now, paid, as in paid off. Because I have so many things I have to pay off. So whenever I do pay something off, I feel really good. I know that's more than one word, but paid off. All right. Paid from 1,200 paying to appease, pacify, satisfy, or be to the liking of in the old French paye to pay or pay up uh, originally from the Latin. And uh, I feel like you're doing that a lot. Newly married with a house. Got to pay up, Justin. Everybody got to get paid. <laughs> good luck with that. Speaking of great words, you got learn today. The word of the week is bunghole. It's not what you think it is. It's a hole in a cask through which it is filled and closed by a stopper from the 1570s for bung, a large stopper for a cask. It's of uncertain origin, the word bung, maybe from Middle Dutch, maybe from French, from German, and you combine it with hole to get bunghole. You may remember Beavis and Butthead talking about their bungholes, but they are not actually the reason for the expansion of the word's meaning. It started to be used to describe an anus by 1600. So, in a sentence, 
We encountered many bungholes on our recent trip to the Bourbon Trail in Kentucky, never once managing to avoid giggling or saying, I am Cornholio. I need teepee for my bunghole. Because we're children. I'm not, I'm not proud of it. Now let's get back to the interview. So then you start... You start making your way back to the places that you that you belong and that you want to be. You start working at Up Rocks, and Up Rocks is where you ended up making your way uh, into the spaces to to meet the right people for ESPN, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, so Up Rocks. I was writing for this site. It was called. It's no longer around now, but it was called the Smoking Section, and all it was was just a place where it was a it was a motley crew of writers from basically all around the country, ran by my man John Gotti. Uh, that's not his real name, of course. Mm-hmm. Not not John Gotti, John Gotti, but Gotti with a Y. Yeah, but, like I said, you got in with the right people. Yeah, I got in with the right <laughs> people, man. And and I was always a fan of that site. I, I always visited that site when I was in college. It was kind of like my version of of like Rolling Stone, but it was like a, a very well curated blog. And I was like, man, the writing is really good here. It's like a di- diverse amount of voices, and I just knew if I could get to Up Rocks or the smoking section, because I already had my own uh, website that, you know, it, it encountered some, I was with a team working on a site called college radio music and needless to say, there was a fallout in the team. Like I, I I won't get all the way into it. What happened? It was just, it was a little tea, not, not a whole teapot, just a couple glasses. You know, we're working. So my man Tay, who uh, we went to Hampton together, he's actually Justin Bieber's DJ. He's been Bieber's DJ for like oh, cool. the last 12 years at this point. And so we were running a website called College Radio Music. And it was great because, you know, we we, we, we had a ton of traffic because he would DJ in D.C. like every weekend and he, he would plug College Radio Music. So we had like events and we had a website where people can go to get like the latest music the latest sports news, whatever it was, just run by, you know, young people like us. And we had, we had a, we had a business partner who was, it just, yeah, it just didn't work out. You can, you can kind of, you know, so I was looking for a new home. Yeah. I was was looking for a new home. And so thankfully for someone like Karen civil, she had her own website. I was blogging over there and I was, I was at the smoking section one day. I was just reading the site and they were like calling for new writers. And, you know, I, I, I applied from there. I went from there. And so this was like 2009. So all those other jobs we were talking about, the financial services, the government, government proposal writing, I'm writing at the smoking section that entire time. And, time. Cool. and I asked Gotti, I was like, well, is there anything you need me to write about? He was like, dude, just write, write about whatever interests you. You could write about the NFL playoffs. You could write about, you know, a new album or mixtape or whatever just come out. And he was like, just keep writing. He was like, because the more you write, the better you're going to get. And I really saw like my, you know, my, my skill level really start to evolve thanks to that place. So the smoking section and John Gotti, man, I, I owe those two places everything because it really started to get my name out there. It really, really started. To, and, and amongst other places too, like uh, my man, Eddie Mysonette, who works at, uh, works at ESPN with us now. He's an NBA editor. Uh, for a long time, he ran a site. He helped run a site called the Sports Fan Journal. I used to freelance there as well. So, like places like that, it would just allow me to just get my reps up. Yeah, you know. So, but so you were writing there throughout those other gigs, and then you became a senior content editor, and that was a full time gig for a while before ESPN. Yeah, so I was doing that, but you know, so I was getting, you know, I was getting paid from that, but it still wasn't enough for like a full time job. But like, I'm, I'm telling you, Sarah, like my my life definitely from like 20 into 2012. Up until about like the end of 2014, it would just be 
I would go to work, work from like, I don't know, eight to four. I would go to Gold's Gym and do whatever I call was a workout in Gold's Gym and just come back home. And from like 8.30, 9 o'clock to about sometimes 2, 3, 2, 3 in the morning, I would just write because that, that would allow those pieces would be posted the next morning. So while I was at work, those pieces would be working for right. me in, yeah, in, in for sense. Sure. So how do yeah. you end up at ESPN then? Okay. So at this point, this is 2014. I'm working at uh, RHA, which is Richmond Redevelopment Housing Authority. Um, unlike the other jobs, I got, I got something really, really deep out of that. I knew I didn't want to do that full time, but I was working in PR over there, but you know, I'm, I'm working in the inner city in Richmond. So one of my jobs was to basically go to the six different housing projects in Richmond, Virginia. And I was part of the, uh, the truancy program there just to make sure, you know, these kids are like going to school. And I've always been an extremely empathetic person. I understand what, you know, I understand what that experience is like. I, I, you know, I, I've seen it, I've seen it firsthand. Thankfully I didn't, you know, grow up in those in, in, in such, you know, infiltrated environment sometimes, but, you know, I understand what that, that life was like. And I, I already had a deep amount of empathy coming into that job, right. but that job in particular really opened my eyes to the world and, you, you know, just being blessed to be able to do certain things and go certain places. And I just knew like, I always want to write from that experience of empathy in, in my writing. Like, I want to, you know, so many voices in those communities are just silenced for like a, a multitude of reasons. And again, I was part of the truancy program. So I would go to Gilpin Court. I would go to Mosby Court, you know, and just knocking on different doors and like, hey, is, you know, Jason in school? Is is Tiffany in school? And be honest with you, like, you just don't know what you're going to see when those doors open up. Yeah. And like, I've, I've seen a lot of things and it's just, I talked to a lot of people in those communities and just about, you know, th their day-to-day -day experiences. And I've seen how, you know, the police interact in those communities. And it, it, it just ironically, this is around the same time in sports too, where we're really starting to have these conversations, you know, just how, you know, policing in communities, so on and so forth. And so I really started to like put that perspective into my writing a lot more. Uh, I felt like a lot more confident to do that. So you know, I really feel my writing begin to excel around 2014. So I go to Hampton's homecoming in like late October 2014. Around this time, we used to have a day party on campus for homecoming, and which is something because we could actually bring the alcohol on campus. And for so long, Hampton would not allow you to do that. I still don't think they allow you to, but I think we just do it anyway now. Back when homecomings were a thing, when you could actually be around a lot of people and do, do things like that. So I'm there at the day party and it's probably about an hour and a half into it. So every everybody's feeling good because yeah. it's, op it's open bar, too. So, you know, everybody's feeling good. So I, I get a drink. I step to the side and I check my phone. Mm -hmm. And one of my one of my friends from Hampton is a couple of years older than me. My man, uh, my fraternity brother, Fred. And he was he was like, hey, Justin, I'm a big fan of your writing. I've always loved like reading your stuff over the years do you mind if I introduce you to somebody at ESPN? I was like, <laughs> that's how I know we've been drinking a lot. Cause you're yeah. asking me yeah. if you could introduce somebody from ESPN to me. I was like, please, like this is the furthest I've ever gotten for, you know, I've applied for jobs at ESPN, but my resume went to some black hole on the internet, never to be right. heard from again. So, 
he didn't do it that day. But that next Monday, when I'm driving back to the housing authority for work, I was like, man, let me hit Fred up and see what he was actually talking about. Was he serious or was it was it just a, you know, drunken good time? I hit him up that morning. Two minutes later, he was like, my fault, man. I'm, I'm you know, CCM, CCing her on the on the email. And uh, it was a uh, it was my friend Kalila. She at the at the time she was Mike Wilbon's exec, executive assistant, mm-hmm. but she graduated from Hampton in two thousand and five, and she she responded right away, and she was like, "Well, can you send me about like you know eight to ten of your best writing samples?" No one else is in the office at the same time. I'm like, yo, this is the furthest I've ever gotten. Like, let me jump on this because I don't know where it could go. So I closed the door in my office. I sent her about ten to twelve of my best writing samples. She was like, "Damn, that was quick." Like that's 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 impressive. You know, a lot of people just like take like days at a time to get back to them. Like, no, 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 no. This the this first I ever gotten. So I want to see how far I can take this thing. So she was like, look, I can't promise you anything, but, you know, I'll send it around and uh, see what we can do. Fast forward two weeks later. This is probably about like a week, week before Thanksgiving. I'm riding up to Alexandria, Virginia with uh, one of my best friends and his wife because we're going to a wedding for like a guy we went to high school with. I get a call from a 202 number and it's Kalila again. And she was like, yo, what are you doing tonight at eight o'clock? Thankfully, it was a day wedding. So by eight, you know, I I just had to make sure I was coherent by eight. I was going to say, right. Yeah. And I was like, wow, what's up? It was like somebody ESPN want to talk to you. And I'm like, about what? What they want to talk to me for? They was like, well, somebody read your stuff and they liked what they read. I'm like, I can't really say what I said to her right. on this podcast, but you can kind of get where yeah. I'm going with it. And I lied to you not just to make a long answer somewhat shorter. This is the week before Thanksgiving in 2014. By January 5th, 2015, I had a one way flight from Richmond to L.A. basically to start my career at ESPN. So all of those years I've been working trying to find something like a door open in less than like two weeks. Like, so it was yeah. just proof that like, you, you just got to get working. in front of the right people and you got to yeah. put in all the work so that when the opportunity comes, you're ready for it. You don't have, Absolutely. You don't, you don't have time to prep once the Mm-mm. opportunity shows up, you got to be prepping the whole time so that when it comes, you're ready for it. So you start uh, with the undefeated, right? That's the first gig. Yeah. And then yeah, you start mm-hmm. to branch out with around the horn and some other stuff. And now you've added to your resume, this 30 for 30 podcast uh, with the undefeated, the King of Crenshaw uh, diving into the connection between NBA players and Nipsey Hussle, who yeah. was a rapper, entrepreneur, philanthropist, activist who was uh, murdered outside of his clothing store in LA in March of 2019. Um, what, inspired this did you pitch this did someone pitch it to you what made you think that this was something you wanted to um to do well it was kind of a little bit of both in terms of it was pitched to me and i pitched this so uh one of my best friends that i went to hampton with he's actually in the podcast his name is brian robinson he's from uh, about two stoplights away uh from where nipsey's marathon store was so he put me on the nipsey's music back in like 2006 2007 like mid 2000s and I was just a fan, like, ever since. So fast forward to 2018, you know, Nipsey's he's, he's a bigger star at this point. His album is out. And he called me, and he put me in contact with uh, this young lady named Brittany Bell, who was Nipsey's publicist at Atlantic. I think the world of Brittany, I think Brittany has one of the best ears for, like, music, new artists, and what's going to what's gonna be big and what's not. 
than like 99.9% of people I've ever met in the music industry. Like she's phenomenal. So we struck up a, a good working rapport and we, uh, we went, wanted to try to devise a way to get Nipsey some coverage on ESPN because he was a, he was a big ESPN fan. And I was like, well, I know Nipsey's a big NBA guy. Like I know he's real cool. Russell Westbrook, James Harden, but there seems to be something deeper than just famous rapper, famous basketball player. There seems to be like a real story of like friendship and, you know, blackmail brotherhood, all that. So we came up with a, a loose pitch. She ran it by Nipsey. He really liked the idea. I'm not saying that we were going to get it done like a week later, but, you know, at least the ball was heading in the right direction. But in 2018, and we wanted to get it on video because I, I didn't want it to just be uh, as much as I love the right. I had a bigger vision for this idea. And um, the 2018 was just a busy year for him. And it wasn't like I was just sitting around twiddling my thumbs either. So it was just one of those things. And, and I, I, I really regret it at times because it's like, ah, well, we'll get it done. We'll get it done. We'll get it done. And but yeah, that's the thing about time, though, man. We always think we have more of it. So like when he was when he was murdered in March 2019, of course, I was I was distraught. I was heartbroken by it. But I knew I told myself is one thing he always preached in his life was this concept of a marathon. They're like, you know, you can't let one setback stop you from running. And I'm like, well, as tragic as this is, I can't let this idea just, you know, you know, collect dust on the shelf. Right. And I pitched it to uh, my boss at the time, Kevin Merida, and he was like, this is a really good idea. Like, you should take it to the folks at uh, 30 for 30 to see if they like it. And so maybe right before, like, the, the, the shutdown happened last year, like, we really started these conversations about what it could look like, how many episodes. Uh, so I started my pitching, and I sent over, like, a complete draft. Uh, script pitch was about, like, 12 pages long. I'm like, Yo, they have to like this. They liked it, right. but I went through like seven or eight like revisions of it. I'm like, I've never had to do this many revisions on anything. But mm -hmm. it got to the point where they liked it. That means they, they care, by the way. That's yeah, no, sign. yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> a, that's I I learned that on maybe about like the third or fourth revision, <laughs> you know. So right. And yeah, it did. I we started filling out the team, and it was around what? But this time last year, that the ball really, really, really got rolling, and. Yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm really grateful that, you know, the idea didn't just sit on the shelf. I'm really grateful that, you know, his, his family listened to it. His brother, Black Sam, is actually a part of this. And it, it he very rarely does media. And I'm just so grateful that he made time for me during a pandemic, you know, to, to speak to me about, you know, a, a, one of the closest relationships of his life that I know isn't easy to talk about in a lot of ways. And I'm just very happy with how it all, um, you know, played out. And I'm, I'm really proud of this. It's the most personal project that 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 I've ever worked on. Um, Nipsey was somebody who I deeply admired, greatly revered for his music and just, you know, how, how he carried himself. You know, right. like it's very rare that you can see somebody who's, who's so honorable. And this isn't to say that he, he didn't make his mistakes in life, because Lord knows we did, but he was very honorable. He was very accountable. And... I, I knew what he was trying to say to resonate with a lot of people. And I, I thought like giving him a plat platform as, 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 you know, critically acclaimed as storied as big as 30 for 30. Like I'm, I'm just very, very grateful to be able to one to tell that story. Yeah. It's really cool. I, it, there is some sadness there that it was something I had no idea you had planned to work on it with him before yeah. he passed. There is some regret there, obviously that it, it couldn't happen with him. 
um, about him. Um, but it's incredible that you were able to put it together. And it's a testament to that relationship you had with him. You, know, you didn't just let it die with him, that idea. You know, Sarah, like, you know, on the on the, uh, the notes app on our phones, like yeah. if I, I could pull it up right now and it's from April 28th, 2018, it says Nipsey Hustle questions. And it's yeah. just one of those things. Like I, I went back to it from time to time over the course of working on this. And I'm like, man, this, it'll, it'll definitely be one of the big what ifs of my life. Right. But, you know, I, 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 can't, I can't ever see a day when I delete that notes app either. Right. So. Well, and like I said earlier, it's very it was very cool to see you go back and find a tweet and retweet something from <laughs> you from a couple of years ago saying like one day I'm going to produce a 3030. I'm going to do this. I love when people do that. I yeah. love the positive receipts because we're <laughs> always looking for the negative. Yeah. We're always catching people on some bullshit that they did before. But I think it's so cool. Um you know, uh, you know, my friend Trayvon, he had the same one about I'm going to go out and win an Oscar. And then and then he did, and then he did it. his short yeah. film. So I, um, I guess I got to do that. I don't have any uh, I don't have any grand dreams put out onto any I need to, uh, social media sites. I got to I got to get on that. <laughs> I need to tweet. I'm going to hit the mega millions. Right. I don't know about that. Let's <laughs> let's let's stick to things that we can work towards. Instead of right. that have to happen by chance. Um, well, everybody needs to go check out the podcast. Um, so cool and, and a really cool accomplishment especially to get all those nba players and folks to speak about nipsey and the and the impression that he left on them um and it's a great way to keep that that memory alive we are running out of time which means that you do have to do the one thing that everybody does and nobody expects didn't expect a kind of spanish inquisition <laughs> nobody expects the spanish inquisition it's the spanish inquisition Speed round number one. Your current career is canceled. What do you do instead? Definitely not financial planning. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any other skills? Or what would you want to do? Oh, golly. I know you said speed round and I'm butchering this. Uh, ooh, I'd want to be a late night radio DJ. It, it, All right. There yeah. we go. Nice. Mm -hmm. uh, number two, what's the most scared you've ever been? Oh, the most scared I've ever been. Um, and, and I hate to I hate to say this because it's such a like a, a way to ruin the mood type story, but there was one time when when I was about 20, 21, my best friend and I, we were driving to the movies and we weren't doing anything, but we got pulled over and and we were asking, we were asking the officer, like, yo, what like what's going on? Like, what do we do? And he was like super rude, like yelling at us. We were like, fam, we weren't doing it, we weren't speeding, we weren't doing anything. Turned to find out the cop was really mad because he was like, well, y'all looked at me wrong. And I'm like, what are you talking what? about? I was just trying to switch lanes. So, I mean, it was just really scary because we knew how quickly a situation could could right. escalate when you're not even trying to escalate it. So that was yeah, that, that was scary. that was a pretty scary time in my life for sure. Number three, you could be the best in the world at one thing for one day. What is it? Oh, I would love to be the best singer in the world. Mm -hmm. I would love to be the best singer in the world. Yeah. Like who popped into your head when you thought of that? I always think of Whitney. Oh, Whitney. Yeah. Whitney is definitely up there. I look at like old school, like Marvin Gaye performances. Like go. he didn't even have to say anything. Like women yeah. are just like screaming. I'm happily married for the rest. Sam Cook was <laughs> Sam Cook was my guy for that, where you're like, it doesn't even look like you're trying. It's just yeah. like falling out of your mouth. Absolutely. Uh, number four, what current celebrity from music, politics, TV, sports, whatever it is, would you most like to be your best friend? Oh, 
to be my best friend. Um, Stone Cold Steve Austin. What? Yeah, that's my guy. That is extremely random. <laughs> yeah, that's my guy. That is incredible. Of all the names, that would have taken me a long time to get to that <laughs> one. Uh, number five, what's your biggest, most meaningless pet peeve? Biggest, most meaningless pet peeve. I, it, 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 really, it really annoys me when uh, people don't tip well. Or at least, That's a good one. Yeah. you know, like I, I've, I've seen people leave $2 on like $150. No. I'm like, no. couldn't be my friend. Anytime yeah. people are trash to people in service industry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, number six, what's the most embarrassed you've ever been? Well, I, you know, trying to recreate Michael Jordan's flu game was pretty embarrassing. <laughs> so that was, that, yeah, that was pretty embarrassing for sure. <laughs> number seven, what's the thing about yourself you'd most like to improve? That I'd most like to improve? Uh, I like to, I like to get better of doing things like in the moment. Like if I know something needs to be done, I'm like, all right, I need to get this done. And then a day or two will go by. I'm like, why didn't I do this when I had the chance? Oh, so, so like being a procrastinator. Yeah. Yeah. Stop procrastinating. It's sort of like this podcast that was supposed to happen on a Friday and it's happening on a Monday. Is but that see, you know, you it, all, it all worked out for synergy <laughs> purposes because the bonus episode came out today. Oh, perfect. There we go. Look at you spinning away to make good on your delay. Uh-huh. That's probably why you haven't fixed that problem because you're able to put yeah. a good spin on the procrastination. Yeah. Well, you know, I lose out in the end, so that's why go. I need to fix it. Uh, number eight, any musician or band alive or dead can play your next party. Who is it? Ooh, any musician alive. Prince. I was going to say, it'd be pretty badass if Nipsey showed up for your 30 for 30 party. Well, he, but he I can, think Prince is a yeah. good choice. <laughs> Nipsey can pull up. Yeah, he could definitely yeah, pull yeah. up. But, but yeah, Prince for Prince. sure. Did you get to see him live ever? No, no, no. My wife got to see him. And she, I mean, she's a she's a bigger Prince fan than I am. But I, I would love, I, I would have loved to have seen Prince yeah. live. I've told this before, but I was very grateful that I got to see him uh, a couple months before he passed at City Winery. So it was only wow. 300 of us. That's even and better. he had a 22 piece band on this tiny stage with him <laughs> and he was two hours late, but he played for two hours and we left at like four in the morning just at like, it was one of those where you're like, I totally get it. Right. Like there's those people yeah. that you have to see before they're gone. Even if it's not your favorite, right. you're like I got to go see them because everybody says they're so great. I do love him. I had heard how great he was. And then it was, it was awesome. I want to see Stevie Wonder too. So hopefully I've I can seen Stevie. I saw uh, the whole, I think he did uh, all of uh, songs in the key of life. Oh, um, that was the show a couple years ago. So good. Same with the stones. So I saw the stones yep. two years ago and I was like, I'm just going to pony up the big bucks. I don't know how long they're going to be touring for now yeah. that Charlie Watts is gone. I'm like, I'm really glad that I made the effort. Same with Tom Petty. Saw him a couple months before he died. Maybe I'm bad luck. Shit. <laughs> I just realized <laughs> I gotta I gotta stay away from some of the old folks. Final destination Spain. I, I know, right? <laughs> um, number nine, what would you consider your biggest failure? Biggest failure. You know, I don't know if it's a failure, but it's something that I really, really do regret. Um, uh, when my when my uncle passed away when I was 13, I didn't go to the funeral. Mm. And I it, I've kind of beat myself up about that over the years. Like, should I have gone? Should I have not? Because, like, that was that was my man. But, you know, I think at the time, like, my mom and my grandma didn't want me to go. It was like, we want your, like, last memory of him to be, yeah. be him alive. Granted, he 
was a vegetable at that point, basically. But I do always make that that's something I want to ask him, you know, yeah, when when, when sure. I see him again. That's a tough one, too, because you yeah. do want to pay your respects and like kind of tough it out. But at the same time, if it's going to traumatize you or it's going to it's going to not yeah. benefit you, I don't think he would have wanted that either. So maybe yeah. maybe it was the right decision. Uh, number 10, what three individual words would you most hope that people would use to describe you? Damn, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, I want respectful because I was always raised on just treat people with respect. Um, creative, you know, I, mm -hmm. I hope they say respectful, creative and ambitious. Good. Those ambitious. are good ones. Yeah. I like those. Final bonus question. Who should I have on this podcast? It can be anyone from any business, any industry, anything that I would find interesting. Who can you have on this podcast? Any, you know, who you, and if he's been on here, then then apology. But you know you should have him because he's a fascinating person to talk to, and he's hilarious. You know Roy Wood Jr. Oh yeah, that's my guy. Yeah, has that's he been on guy. here? He's been on before. Yeah. Oh okay okay. I well, can have him again though. He's done yeah. he's done a lot since last time. But yeah, actually, uh, he was at a Cubs game. And oh my yeah, of course. And I were big fans, and we just went up and introduced ourselves. And then we just kind of became friends. So, like, whenever he's in town, go to the Cubs game together. We went to his uh, taping of his Comedy Central special and hung out. He, um, yeah, he's he's an I, awesome dude. I met him in New York randomly one time. Like, we ordered food from, like, the same restaurant. And we ended up staying, like, sitting at the bar for, like, a couple of hours. Yeah, he's, he's an awesome dude. He's, Fun he's, fact, Roy Wood Jr. and I are both in the current Allen & Ginter Tops collection. Together. Really? We're yeah. If you go buy packs of the current Allen and Ginter, you might you might pull a Spain or a Wood Junior. Well, I need to go order one now. Mm -hmm. That you that's do. incredible. You do send it to me. I'll give I'll give you that autograph. It could be worth cents on eBay. You know, Man, more than ten. Fifty cents. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, I'll let you think about it. You can hit me up offline for someone else I should have on since I've already had Roy. I'm, I'm going to uh, think of like 8,000 different people. I'm sure now. that's how it works. Um, and you'll have to come on another time down the road. We ran out of time, but there's so much more to get into about um, around the horn and your other aspirations and everything else, uh, working at the undefeated and all that stuff. But uh, good to get to know more about you and congrats on the podcast. Yeah. Thank you for having me on this. This, this was fun as hell. I enjoyed this. That's what she said. Oh, yeah. One more thing. This is a place for me to rant or rave or suggest something for you to read, listen to, or watch. Whatever's on my mind, really. And what's on my mind is the Val Kilmer doc right now that's out. Um, it's fascinating. And especially interesting is just the footage that he has from his entire life. You can watch it on Prime Video Amazon. Um, getting a really good response from most people. It's really 40 years of footage from his life fascinating stories about his childhood that I never knew. Um, he's also battling throat cancer and um, it's a tough watch at times to listen to him speak uh, with the contraption around his throat. Uh, a lot of the production and narration is actually his son speaking his words for him. Um, but there's behind the scenes of Top Gun and Tombstone and Batman. Uh, there's really old footage of him back at Juilliard. There's early plays with Kevin Bacon and Sean Penn and a lot of stuff from his like childhood childhood home movies that he made with his brothers. 
And it's cool to see the response a lot of people have to him having a home video way back before it was common to have a camera, including his mom saying, does that thing get your voice too? Wow. Um, there are moments where he's very honest and shows people talking about his attitude and how difficult he is to work with um, and how he got a swelled head. But he also, uh, I think, really just cares a lot about the craft, cares a lot about what he's doing. And you see that, especially later, when he really pours his heart and his funds into a one-man show about Mark Twain that he wants to turn into a film before the throat cancer takes hold and really sidelines his career. I think it's a great, great watch and i think it's it's a fascinating look particularly because of all that footage that you maybe uh wouldn't expect to go back so far so check it out it's called val on amazon prime you can always tweet me at sarah spain if you've got suggestions for guests questions dilemmas you want me to fix and you should always go to the itunes or podcast app subscribe rate and review that's what she said with sarah spain thanks as always for lasting about an hour with me that's what she said 